Well, welcome to week one of a, a brand new series that we've entitled How to Live Through a Bad Day. And, and here's kind of what has, has sparked this, this series. Um, one, a lot of people are living through some, some really tough days right now. But, but recently, over these past few weeks, I've been, been, been chewing on and thinking about this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. But, but before you get to Hebrews 12 is, is Hebrews 11, and it's this, this, this hero of faith Passage. It talks about how, how by faith Abraham does this, how by faith Isaac does this, how by faith Jacob does this, by faith Joshua does this, by faith Rahab does this. And all through this list of these, these heroes of faith, these, these men and women who it says in Hebrews 11 that they were actually like sawed in two. Like they lived through some, some very, very bad, bad days. And then we get to Hebrews 12 one through three, and it says this in the message paraphrase. It says, says do you see what this means? These, these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans, they're, they're cheering us on. It's this imagery of like this stadium, this mass gathering where social distancing is not, not in the cards, but these heroes of the faith are looking in as they're in the grandstands and you're on the track and you're running and they've blazed the way, but they're cheering you on. And it's Joshua saying, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord. He's with you wherever you go. And these, these heroes of the faith are, are cheering us on. And here's what it says. It says, says they blazed the way. These, they're cheering us on. It says, it means that we'd better get with it. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat or parasitic sins. I mean, like, like, like how do we do this? How do we, how do we start running again? Here it is. This is the key phrase. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because he, he, he both began and he finished this race that you're in right now. And here's the deal. Study how he did it. Don't just look at it, marinate in it. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. He never lost perspective of where he was headed. Check this out. And now he's there in that place of honor, right beside God. And when you find yourself, and this is where some of you are right now, some of you need to, need to hear this. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, Here's what you need to do. Go over that story again and again, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And I don't know about you, but I love that. Because in this season, I could use some fresh adrenaline in my soul. And my guess is that, that perhaps you could too. So we're gonna, we're gonna do that. We're gonna check this one out. We're gonna, this next slide here, keep our eyes on Jesus. We're gonna study how he did it. And for the next seven weeks, we're gonna go over that story again and again, item by item. We're gonna look at Jesus. How did he survive his worst day so we can bring our best to difficult and challenging seasons? We're gonna look at seven statements that, that Jesus makes from the cross and pull out principles that will help us survive our worst day. Uh, there are several scholars, several uh, people who have done theological works on these seven statements from the cross. Here's, here's a couple of them. Um, uh, Russell Bradley, he wrote Gold from Golgotha. This is an old piece of literature. It's hard to find actually in print these days, but 
but it's a, it's a good work. And then, then Jack Hafer, this is, I don't know if this is still in print or not, but it's available on Kindle for like three bucks. So, uh, but this is where we got our title, How to Live Through a Bad Day. And you can check out those, those resources. But here's the first statement that we see Jesus making from the cross that's gonna help us live through a, a bad day. Here it is in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The first thing he says is, is to forgive them. And, and here's why I think this is so relevant in this season, because bad days are tough enough without carrying resentment from yesterday into today. And if you don't want to, we've got to put to rest yesterday or else it compounds the problems that we face today. And when it comes to forgiveness, Here's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you the what. What is that? How do we do it? And then, then finally, I'm going to close with the here's why. Here's why we, we forgive. And, and uh, you're going to hear a powerful testimony today from a guy by the name of Scott Pernice on how, how forgiveness not only turned one of his worst days into a better day, but, but, but through forgiveness, it turned his worst day into a brand new day and a brand new life for him and his family, so make sure you hang on to check that out. But here's the what, Here, here's what Jesus modeled. If we're gonna live through our bad day, here's the first thing we need to do. If you're taking notes, this is where the notes begin. Uh, here's the first thing we need to do. We need to forgive everyone who offends you. Forgive everyone who offends you. And if anyone had the right to be offended, had, to be, had the right to be bitter, to be jaded, to be, be frustrated, uh, be unforgiving, it was certainly Jesus. Uh, let's just look at the, the 12 hours. It's a 12-hour window of his life and look at some of the things that Jesus endured, some of the challenges that he faced before, before going to the cross. We could, we could unpack a whole lot of things, but I just want to give you five things that Jesus endured. The first thing that he endured was betrayal. Betrayal. One of his closest friends, one of these, these dudes that he had been doing life with for the past three years. He's gone camping with this guy. They've gone fishing together. They've, seen, they've done ministry together. They saw miracles together. This guy was one of his closest companions. And as he's in this garden, this garden called Gethsemane, he would have been able to see these, these torches, this trail of, of torches coming towards him with, with a mob of soldiers coming to arrest him. And lo and behold, it was one of his best friends leading the pack talk about betrayal. And I know some of you have experienced betrayal as well. And, and on his, his worst day, this 12-hour period, Jesus experienced that too. The next one we see is, is false accusations. They, they falsely accused him of, of many things. He endures a trial that was a mockery of justice. It was illegal for them to hold trial at night, but they do it anyway. And they, they literally paid people to bring false accusations against him. And I don't know about you, but, but one of the things I hate the most is, is when people make false accusations about me. You know, I mean, hey, if I, if I blow it and I, I earn it, I mean, I deserve the accusation. But when people make up stories, Tim did this, Tim said this, nothing makes my blood boil quicker than that. Man, it's hard for me to forgive in those moments. Here's the next one, rejection. Jesus experienced a whole lot of re rejection and and the week before, everyone was celebrating him as he rides into Jerusalem and what's known as Palm Sunday, they're shouting, Hosanna, like, like this is Jesus, this is our deliverer, like, we love you, you're the man. 
And then now they shout, crucify. Let's kill him. We don't want him around anymore. Beyond all that, his, his closest friends, his, his best friends, just the, that 12-hour window, they said, you know what? Jesus, we're with you for better or for worse. If you die, like we're willing to die with you, we're with you. And they eventually would say, I don't even know who he is in that same time frame. Next one, he, Jesus, he endures abuse. Abuse like none other. Mental, emotional, physical abuse. Here's what the, the author in Isaiah 52 14 says about his, his abuse that he endured. He says, just as there were many who were appalled at him. I mean, they looked at him and he was, it was appalling to look at because he was so beaten. His appearance was, was disfigured beyond that of any human being. His form was marred beyond human likeness. I mean, they abused him to such a degree that he was appalling. He was disfigured. Appearance was marred beyond that of human likeness. I mean, you talk about abuse, he endured it. And the fifth and final, humiliation. They mocked him. They spit on him. They're like, oh, you're the king. A king should have a robe. They put a purple robe on him. And they didn't mock worship. They're like, oh, you're a king. You need a crown. They wove a crown of thorns and they crushed it onto his head. And they, they mock worship. And this is when they were finally tired of mocking him. They led him away to be crucified. And crucified victims, they weren't, they weren't way high in the sky. They're about a foot off the ground, almost at eye level. And I'm thankful that Hollywood doesn't include this. Uh, but historians and scholars let us know that crucified victims, most of the time, were crucified naked. You talk about some humiliation. He went through all of that. And the logical question is why? This God who created the universe took on the form of a man only to be treated by other humans in this way. And I mean, such a betrayal, false accusations, rejection, abuse, humiliation, and why? Hebrews 2, 17 through 18 give us some insight. I mean, it's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. Here's who he did it. Here's why he did it. It was people like us. It was for you that he did this, children of Abraham. That, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came to God as, as high priest to get rid of sin, that's part of the reason why, to get rid of your sin. He, he paid the penalty for your sin as he dropped sweats of blood, as he, as he was paraded through the street. He endures your humiliation. He endures your shame. As he hangs there on the cross, he pays the penalty for your sin. But that's not all. He would have already experienced it all himself. He experienced everything that you've experienced. All those feelings, all those emotions, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help is needed. I don't know about you, but that's some pretty good news for us today. Whatever you're going through, wherever your, your greatest point of need is, not only is Jesus able to help you, but he's able to empathize with you because he's experienced it himself. Now, here's what I know to be true as well. Whenever it comes to this topic of forgiveness, you're never going to feel like it. I never feel like forgiving anyone. Uh, I've never sat down for a counseling appointment with someone who was, who was betrayed or who was abused and said, you know what? Hey, you know what I think I need to do? I need to forgive them. That's just not a natural feeling that we get 
We have to lead ourselves there. We have to think a little bit differently about this. We have to let our thinking, let our logic lead us to actions and perhaps our feelings will follow. First Peter 4.1, here's, here's my hope for today. Since Christ suffered while he was in the body, here's my hope for you. Strengthen yourself with the same way of thinking Christ had. My hope for you is that we begin to, to think about the abuse, to think about the situations through the lens of Christ as Jesus in his worst moment says, Father, forgive them. Stephen Covey, he said this, you sow a thought, you reap an action. That's my hope, that we'll think a little bit differently, that it might lead us to act a little bit differently. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an, sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, you reap a destiny. So we gotta think a little bit differently. And, and here's a, a couple thoughts whenever it comes to this, this topic of forgiveness that, that my, my hope is that it'll reframe our thinking about about forgiveness, and the first is this. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Listen, we don't need to minimize it. What they did was wrong. What happened was wrong. It hurt, and I know it hurt. You don't need to minimize that. But forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two very different things. My hope is that it can lead to this. My hope is that, that there can be reconciliation in that situation, in that, in that relationship. But here's the reality. Reconciliation is a two-player game. It's a two-way street. And, and here's my, my hope for you is that you wouldn't put clauses on forgiveness. Because if we put clauses on forgiveness, like, like unless they acknowledge how wrong they treated me, unless they, they come to me and, and really humble themselves and say, man, what I said, I'm, I'm sorry. What I did, I regret. Unless they do that, then I can't forgive them. Because the moment you, you put clauses on forgiveness, you give them the keys to your freedom. You'll be held captive by something they did. Forgiveness is not reconciliation of relationship. That's, a, that's another message for, for another day. Forgiveness is a one-player game. And here's the next one. Forgiveness is not about being fair. I know what they did, and that's not fair. But forgiveness is not about, about being fair. And here's the reality. Whenever it comes to God, I hope he doesn't treat me fair. Because if he treats me fair, I know what I deserve. Here's what I want, grace. I need his mercy. I need, I need his forgiveness. I don't, I don't want that. C.S. Lewis, he said this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I mean... Have we done some, I've done some inexcusable things, but I also have to recognize that as to be a follower of Jesus because he's forgiven the inexcusable in me, it's incumbent upon me to forgive the inexcusable towards me as well. Deep into the pool stuff today. Here, here's what forgiveness is. Uh, let me begin to define what forgiveness is by telling you what it is not. Uh, forgiveness Unforgiveness says, you owe me. Unforgiveness says, you owe me. You wronged me. You took something from me. You did something to me, and you owe me. And that's our natural tendency. That's where our feelings will lead us. We're going to repay them multiple times over. You owe me. 
But forgiveness says this. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness simply says you don't owe me anymore. You wronged me. I'm not minimizing that. It wasn't fair. It's not reconciliation. But I'm just telling you, you don't owe me anymore. Colossians 3.13. This is one of my favorite passages, a really challenging passage as well when it comes to this topic of forgiveness. Here's what it says. It says, bear with each other. That could be translated, uh, you know what, to be, be long-suffering with people. Uh, the New Living Translation uh, puts it, make allowances for other people's faults. Like if, if we do this thing well, if we're in community, if we are the church that, 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 that does life with each other, here's what we need. We need to bear with each other. We need to make room for each other's faults because it's going to happen. You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. We need to bear with each other. And check this out. Forgive. What are we going to forgive? Whatever grievances you may have against someone else, forgive as the Lord forgave you. As he has forgiven the inexcusable in you, we're we're called to forgive the inexcusable in others. This word grievance is an interesting word. Uh, This word could literally be translated complaints. So, so it could read, uh, and forgive whatever complaints you may have against someone. Uh, if you did a thought inventory or a word inventory this week, how many complaints have you, have you made against another individual or situations in life? Where, wherever you find yourself making those complaints, the Bible said forgive whatever complaints you, you might have. It, it just, it highlights there's a wound there. You need to be mindful of it. Could be translated blame. Forgive whatever, whenever you're tempted to blame someone, there's an opportunity to to forgive. Uh, Sociologists say that blame is simply our way of trying to discharge pain or discomfort. And so whenever I, I hear myself blaming other people, when I hear myself blaming certain seasons of life, I just realize that's something inside of me that's trying to discharge pain, trying to discharge discomfort that's happening on the inside of me. And, and it's, it's an opportunity for me to go to God and say, God, what is it in my life that I need to give back to you? What, who or what do I need to surrender to you afresh, release back to you today? Paul reminds us that we forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And how do we do it? We forgive to the degree that you've been forgiven forgive other people. I think that's why Jesus reminds us to to forgive people every day. In the Lord's prayer, he says this. He says, Father, as we we forgive, as you've forgiven our sins, would you forgive me as I've blown it, I've sinned? That simply means I've missed the mark. God, I haven't lived up to your standards. Would Would you forgive me? And God, there's some other people who haven't lived up to my standards as well. And God, I want to forgive them. We've missed the mark but other people have missed the mark towards us as well. And the Bible just says, man, the the key is forgiveness. The first thing that Jesus says from the cross is forgive them. So that's the what. Here's the how. How do we do this? How do we actually live this biblical principle? How do we live a life of, of forgiveness after all they've done, after everything they've said? Like, how do we even tiptoe into this water? Like, how do we forgive I'm glad you asked. So uh, here, here's, here's one thing. I'm going to give you one principle that I hope you apply. One principle, one takeaway this week. And, and that is simply this. We're going we're gonna to look how Jesus did it and we're going to pray for them. This week, 
I, I did this this week preparing for this. And I just went through a little bit of inventory in my, in my heart, in my mind. Who's people that have offended me? Who, who's, who are groups of people that have offended me? And here's what I, I came up with seven. Some individuals, couple groups of people. And here's what I've started to do. Pray for them. And I'm just telling you, in a short period of time, it started to lead to some freedom. Not because it's, it's a clever saying, but it's, it's a Jesus principle. He modeled it and he taught it. Check this out in Matthew. Matthew 5, 43 through 44. It says, you have heard it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. That's pretty easy to do, right? I love people who love me and I hate people who hate me. But Jesus said this, but I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Think about that, persecute you. Like they're intentionally setting out to harm you. Those people are the ones you need to pray for. Those people who have unconsciously, unknowingly offended you, you pray for them as well. And, and if you're like me, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll pray for them. I'll pray Psalm 3-7 for them. Here, check out this Psalm. Arise, Lord, rescue me, my God. Smack my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. That's what I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray for the flies of a thousand camels to attack their armpits. I mean, this is the month of April, right? I pray they get audited this month. That's what I want to pray for. But Jesus modeled something very different. And one of my friends, Scott Pernice, he discovered this, this principle of praying for his enemies in one of his darkest days, and it led to a brand new day. Check out this video. Hey, Central Christian Church. I miss you guys. It's been way too long. I can speak on behalf of my wife as well that uh, we miss you. Uh, look forward to watching you, you know, the services every week online still with you guys. So it's like we're there in spirit. Um, I was pretty excited when Pastor Tim reached out to me to share a little bit of my testimony with you guys for uh, the sermon series this week. Um, so I'm going to jump right into that piece of it. But before I do, I just needed to point out, because I wouldn't be being myself if I didn't do this, uh, that I'm wearing a 49ers jersey. Uh, one, because it's draft day. Uh, but also number two, because I'm really looking forward to making Pastor Tim publish something for a sermon series uh, with the 49ers in it. So uh, here we go. Uh, my story, uh, this is really about forgiveness and, and how it changed my life completely and radically uh, and how just a little act did that for me. And so I'm going to start uh, with a little backstory on myself. And that backstory is, you know, I used to be a drug addict and uh, I actually, you know, wound up in jail. Uh, my story here starts from when I wound up in jail. So it was 2014. Uh, I had been uh, really hooked on, you know, basically anything I could get my hands on. And uh, I had been dating a girl at the time. And right before I went to jail, I, I had caught her uh, cheating on me. And I remember just feeling this overwhelming sense of hurt, anger, uh, you know, I can't believe that you would do this to me type of thing. And that just built up inside of me. And I, I wound up in jail, uh, not related to that, but um, while I was in jail, those feelings just piled even more on top of themselves uh, to the point where I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think about anything else other than my anger and, uh, my hurt really, I think hurt's a really good word. And, uh, of all people, my cellmate, while I was in there, 
jumped off the bunk and he said, man, you've been talking about this for a week now. Uh, we need to get you through it. I was like, okay, let's get me through it. Uh, if I could, it, I, I would have done it already. And he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, well, it's, it's actually really simple. You just got to pray for him. I was like, pray for him. Uh, okay, that's simple. I pray uh, that they all get sick. I pray, you know, and I started going, I said, no, 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 no. You have to pray for them and genuinely pray for them. And I kind of pondered that a little bit. Like I was kind of tired of being mad, uh, but I couldn't help it. And so finally I broke down one day and I prayed. And I remember the first prayer that I said, it was pretty simple. It was just like, God, I pray that uh, so-and-so has everything that I want in life. And that was it. Amen. Right. And I felt a little freedom from that. And so then the next day I did it again for both of them, both her and him. And I remember praying for him and this is really where it broke through. I prayed that he would get everything in life that I ever wanted. Uh, I prayed and I went into detail. Like I pray that he gets a house out in the country. I pray that he gets the job that he really wants to land. I pray that he has success. I pray that, uh, you know, and I just went off on it and I could tell that I was being genuine. And it was like right then and there, all of those feelings turned from hurt and anger into just healing for me and that it was really only hurting me. And so then I took that principle and I decided, you know what, I'm going to apply that to the rest of my life. Uh, and I started going through and just anybody that I felt like I hadn't forgiven in my life, I started praying for them to get everything I wanted out of life. Um, and as I did that, these, these layers of, of pain just continued to fall off. Uh, to the point where it was life-changing. Before this time, I had gone through six or seven rehab facility programs and no knock on them, uh, but this was the most healing that I felt like I had done in my entire life. And, and that was 2014. I still practice this today. I practice it all the time. And uh, God has been just so faithful in healing me because it's not that these people that have hurt me are broken. I'm broken too. And so... Uh, praying for them heals me, uh, and it's restorative. And, uh, I can tell you right now that that is what changed my life completely without a doubt. Praying for other people in a selfless manner, uh, that I normally wouldn't have prayed for was transformational. So that's it. That's what I got for you guys. I wanted to share that with you real quick uh, and encourage you with it as well if it's encouraging. So thank you. We miss you. We love you. Thanks. Well, man, what a powerful story. And, and one of the healthiest things that you can do for, for your, your mental health, your emotional health, certainly your spiritual health, is to do what Scott did. In the darkest day, he began to, to pray for people who have offended him. And I know you're not going to feel like it. I certainly did neither. Uh, but you won't know the power of this principle until you apply it. Here's the reality. You know this to be true. I, unfortunately, I know this to be true. Listening to another sermon never changed anybody's life. But applying what Jesus taught, doing what Jesus did, has changed lives throughout the centuries. And you've got to apply this principle and you'll find freedom in the midst of life's challenging, most challenging season. So anywhere there's, there's a grievance, anywhere you find yourself voicing complaint, anywhere you're tempted to, to push blame, anywhere there's a serious offense, pray for them. And as you do, you'll begin to sense those arrows being removed.
from your back that are causing you to bleed out over everyone else in your present. And the reality is that, that even in the midst of this shelter in place, we, we can tend to take out a lot of our frustrations on those, those that are closest to us, but it's not them that did it. It was, it was something way back here. And we just haven't wrestled that grievance, forgiven that grievance. So what do we do? The first thing Jesus modeled to live through a, a very bad day, we must forgive everyone who offends you. And how do we do that? Make a list of those who have offended you. And here's what I invite you to do. Even if you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself a person of faith, I dare you to try this. Talk to God about, and pray for them. We wish the best things in life for them. All the things that you want for your life, pray they get it. And here's the why. Here's the big idea for today. And the last fill in the blank. We forgive because we've been forgiven. The forgiven forgive. Jesus said this in, John, in Matthew 10, 8, freely you've received, freely give. I close with, with this, and some of us have entered into this COVID-19 season already, already weighed down with some really heavy things that we've experienced in our past, some, some, some way back in the distant past, some, some very recently in our past. And, and the temptation when things seem to spin out of our control, when, when things happen that, that happen to us or things that are done to us that, that we don't really have control over, our, our temptation, our natural gravitational pull of life is to, to hang on to those things. But those are the very things that we need to let go of because those are the things that, that weigh us down. And some of those are really big. Some of those are, are not as big, but it's, it's kind of like like this, uh, uh, maybe for you, uh, maybe for, for me, maybe, maybe not, uh, we ordered some, some Chinese takeout and they forgot our crab rangoon, right? And so I love crab rangoon. Uh, my form testifies that I love crab rangoon. Uh, but by the time we got home, uh, I didn't have crab rangoon. I wasn't about to go back and wait in that line. So I just stew over how these, these people forgot my, my crab rangoon. I just, I just begin to pack that pack that around with me. But then there's some, some bigger things, like from my childhood, maybe from your childhood, maybe you've encountered some things that, that the people that were supposed to protect you were the ones that hurt you. You're, you're supposed to have this safe place to grow up and, and to be affirmed in who you are and, and who God created you to be. But that didn't happen. And so now, even at your age, you feel the ramifications from, from way back here in your childhood. And there's some other, some other things, some, some work situations. You grew up, and after your childhood, you, you, got a, you got a good job, and that's awesome. But at work, man, she, she said that she did the work on the project, and she got the bonus when you know you did. I mean, they said they were having layoffs for financial reasons, but, but why did they start hiring people right after you got let go. How, how'd they hire that kid right out of college? And it, and it created this thing. And you're just, you pack it around. We pack it around with us. And, and there's some, some relationship challenges that, that have happened to us. And, and we tried to trust them. We, we tried to be a, a good friend. We confided in them. We did life together. I told them some things. And they threw it in my face. Maybe it was a marriage relationship. They said for better or for worse, and now, now here you are. 
There's some, some other things, some friends. Maybe you trusted some friends that you thought, ah, this is a trustworthy person, but that proved to not be true. There's some, some things that have, have taken place that just keep, keep piling on. And, and we just go through life like this with all these cuts, all these wounds from our past. And we complain and we blame, but we never get any, any resolution. And, and so we just keep going and we bring yesterday's baggage into the present reality today. And, and we just keep going. And, and perhaps the biggest person, perhaps the, the person that you need to, to forgive the most and perhaps the biggest, most heavy suitcase. And this is, it's not easy to live life like this. It's not easy to, to talk like this. But maybe the, the biggest person, the person you need to forgive the most is you. We've all done some things we regret. And why you know the Bible says that, that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. You can't forgive yourself. So you, you keep carrying this luggage. You just keep carrying this baggage till you punish yourself enough, until you, you've grieved enough, until you've felt the weight enough. And I'm just saying this isn't the life that God created you to live. And that's why Jesus on his worst day, he modeled how you can thrive and have your best day. And the key to that is to forgive. You gotta figure out how to hand these off, how to let some of these things go. You're not meant to carry them any longer. And I just believe that if, if Jesus were here, if he could say a word to you, if you would invite him to step onto the stage of your life with all these things going on, I believe he would say this, this to you in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He would ask, are you tired, worn out, maybe burnt out on religion? All the do's and don'ts, it's a heavy bag, it's a heavy load to carry. His invitation would be, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. How did he do it? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We're not minimizing what they've done. I'm not saying they deserve it. I'm not suggesting that they even know that they need to be forgiven. But freedom, unforced rhythms of grace is available. But we got to stop lugging the bags around with us into every other relationship into every other job situation, into every other season of life. You weren't intended to carry those, those bags with you any longer. I would make this argument that, that perhaps you're watching this and we're talking about forgiveness. I think it will be very challenging, if not impossible, for you to experience freedom 
from your past and let, let go of yesterday and embrace a clean slate today until you yourself have experienced forgiveness. It'll be impossible to forgive someone because it's, it's not easy to let go of some of these things unless you yourself have experienced God's forgiveness. And so if that's you today and, and you want to experience God's forgiveness, perhaps for the very first time, uh, if you're on the live chat at, uh, at live.centralsj.org, uh, you can simply click on that, that button and uh, we'll, we'll have some pastors available in the chat to talk to you about how to begin a real relationship with Jesus and experience his forgiveness. All these, these things that you've done, you can, you can have them wiped clean. Or maybe you're watching this at a later, later date and you can simply email us at info at centralsj.org. That's info at centralsj.org. But if you wanna begin that relationship with God, it'd be our honor to help you experience his forgiveness so you can begin to live his way through your worst day. And at the ultimately church, if we're gonna live through our worst day, we gotta model what Jesus did. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Pray for those who've hurt you. Be the best version of yourself. Extend forgiveness just as God has forgiven you. Let's pray. Well, God, I thank you for this challenging truth. It's counterintuitive to the way that I naturally think, to the way that we naturally think as people. But Jesus, you modeled it. After all they did to you, your first words from the cross were forgive them. So God, I pray that you'd help me and everyone that's listening to this to find the freedom that you offer by living the way that you lived. Would you empower us by your spirit to do that today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.